Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. My name is Sergio Tijera. I come to you from Miami, Florida, and we do this each and every week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever platform you choose to listen to your favorite shows on. You can catch us here each and every week. As we said, we have Game Changers, and today is no exception. So my guest today is Peter Estevez. He was born in Mexico City, Mexico. He's an entrepreneur, philanthropist, and host of the Coming Clean podcast. And he's had an entrepreneurial spirit since, since a very young age. At 10, 10 years old, he came over to the U.S. and has gone on to become a very successful real estate investor, land developer uh, in the greater Houston and South Texas areas, as well as a partner in several uh, companies that are in the energy sector. However, what attracted me to Peter is that he's been uh, instrumental in, in creating a, uh, a, a, an Instagram page, for example, a culture, a mentorship for Latinos to succeed. This um, is what motivates others, especially Latinos, to become the best version of themselves. And he's here with us to, to, to give us some more inspiration about what he's doing in not only in the business world, but in motivating and inspiring others to be the best version of themselves. So welcome, Peter. Sergio, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for inviting me to, your, to be a guest on your show. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, so Peter, tell me a little bit about, about your background. So you're born in Mexico City. Um, tell me what home was life like for you out there uh, growing up before you came over and why is it that you came over? Well, you know, my father was born in Houston, Texas, and my father was an orphan at the age of 13. And his family, his, his immediate family was from Guanajuato, uh, Valle de Santiago, Guanajuato, which is a small town in central Mexico. And as, as, as a young man at the age of 13, after he became an orphan, his uh, family took him back to Guanajuato. And he met my mother when he was 17, 18 years old. Mom was 15, you know, a traditional Hispanic family. They got married very, very young. Very young. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, within a period of several years, they had 13 children. Uh, 13 children? 13 children. Oh I am one of 13. I, got, I have two and that's enough. I'm good. <laughs> I have one and that's more than enough. <laughs> you know, 13 children. And, you know, my father, uh, my father had no formal education. He, 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 he had a sixth grade education. Mother had a third grade education or vice versa. Wow. The other I can't remember. Uh, so you can imagine in a country like Mexico, which is still very much a third world country with 13 children is very, very hard to survive. So for a long time, what father did, uh, very entrepreneurial spirit, very hardworking. He would work in the States, send the money back to Mexico. And in Mexico, in a small town, we live relatively well. You know, uh, you know, we lived in a nice size homes. You know, we we went to Catholic schools. We live relatively well. But the caveat to that is where we only got to see father around Christmas time, maybe once or twice a year, maximum. And oh, it became very, very difficult. It, it was very difficult for mother to raise 13 children on her own in, in, in Mexico and not being able to have the support of her husband. 
So at some point when I was uh, nine, eight, nine, ten years old, my parents, uh, there was an opportunity to, to, to become naturalized citizens. And my father opted to apply for all of us to become, to, to become naturalized citizens. And we came to the States 1972. Okay. Um, our life completely changed. It was completely, completely different. None of us knew how to speak English. Uh, my mom did not know how to speak English and my father spoke very little English. He was a blue collar worker, um, you know, entrepreneurial and he did a lot of other odd jobs in order to create, to be able to sustain the family, but nothing really to speak of that would ever get him out of a cycle of poverty. Okay, we moved into we moved to a city uh, in South Texas called San Antonio near the border, San Antonio, Texas. Moved into a small frame two bedroom home. The girls slept slept in one bedroom. My mom and dad had their own bedroom, and the boys slept in sleeping bags in the living room. You know that was that was the way we lived. It was a very very dysfunctional cycle of poverty, uh, and I and, and I knew very very early on that that my parents were doing the best that they could. Uh, but I also realized that that was not the life that I wanted for myself. So, uh, you know, I think, I think out of necessity in a lot of the Latino community, entrepreneurship is by default. You know, we Absolutely. learn, you know, we learn how to hustle. We learn how to create our own destiny because if not, we're going to stay, you know, we're going to, continue to live in a state of poverty. So, you know, that was the beginning of my childhood. That was, that was what brought us to Texas. Uh, and, and, and I know my parents did uh, try very hard to make ends meet for us, but, but I can tell you it was a very, very difficult life, Sergio. Yeah. You know, grit is one of the, one of the, the key skills and characteristics of, of highly successful people, right? That staying power, that, that hunger, to, to do whatever it takes to get to where you need to be in life. And if you don't have that, you're really falling behind because, I mean, you're, you're really not living up to your potential. And you find that quite a lot with, with that Latino community, just like you said, out, out of necessity. We've seen that in, in Miami as well growing up here. But I think that's one of the traits that, that if that can be, be passed on, that hard work, that dedication, persistence in the face of adversity, you got a winning combination there. I, absolutely. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier before the interview and, and although my parents, you know, they had a lot of, uh, a lot of issues, you know, they they were uneducated. Um, it was a very unhealthy environment. It was children raising children. You know, there was no emotional development. There was no formal education. There was never a driver or motivation for us to, you know, there, there, there was never a plan for us to example, right? Uh, an example, you know, there was no leader in our home. You know, my father was, was working to make ends meet. And then there was a lot of chaos and dysfunction in this two bedroom, 900 square feet home. Okay. Wow. Um, but the reality is that that environment foster my entrepreneurial spirit without even me knowing very early on. I learned incredible survival skills. I learned to be resourceful and not to depend on resources. When you don't have anything, you know, a lot of people think that money is a solution. Okay. And the solution is not always money. A lot of times we need to become resourceful to, to be able to carve and create our path. And I learned very, very early on that I needed to hustle. Okay. Uh, we call that entrepreneurship today. Uh, but I needed, I, I, I needed to create a destiny. You know, when you're one of 13, okay. The one, the first one at the table eats better than the rest. Okay. The first one up gets yeah. a lot of water, uh, to take a, to take a shower. 
you know? So, so it was always about becoming a chameleon of a source and that gave me incredible um, adaptability skills to be able to survive, to, to, to adapt, to change, to pivot. Okay. I did not, I did not recognize any of this as a young boy, right? You know, what I knew was, what I knew was that I didn't want to repeat the cycle. I didn't want, I, I, I wanted to create generational wealth. I didn't want my children to be one of 13 that was mm -hmm. uneducated without opportunity. Okay. And that was going to become another statistic. You know, my parents brought us to the States uh, in, in, in the quest to find and in the pursuit of the American dream. Okay. Now that's what they did. It was my responsibility to find that dream. Okay. So what I did very early on was to look at role models and I still do it today. I still do mm -hmm. it with leaders that, that I associate with, with the top leaders that I bring to my podcast, with the top leaders that I, that I do business with. I look for people that are smarter than me, people that are accomplishing and doing things that I have not been able to accomplish people that, that I want to model after people that I want to become like, and I follow their path. I study them. I look at them. I listen to them. I learn from them. And I did that very, very early on. I started identifying people within my community that were smarter than me, more successful than me. And that was everybody at the time. That was everybody at the time. Uh, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I started, I started looking for those opportunities but that came out of necessity. So, you know, uh, I often say that, that we make our mess our message, but we also have to clean it up, Sergio. We cannot live in our story, okay? We got to step out of our story and become, become whole and complete. And that's part of the journey. That's part of the journey. I love that. I love that, that we have to step out of our story because it's so encapsulating and because it's happened, it's so real in our mind and it's, and it's sometimes hard to imagine what are the other chapters, what could they be like? And the fact that you can rewrite those and, and, and having mentors, having people that you look up to, whether you know them or not, and people that you can emulate who have succeeded is tremendously important in just opening up that imagination to say, okay, what is possible for me? And do I buy into that? You know, can you really believe and kind of wrap your head around that? Yeah, I can be a millionaire, a billionaire. I can't have the life that I want, even though my circumstances are so bad right now that it's hard to imagine that that step. It seems so far away. I, I, absolutely. You know, I learned very early on that my parents work very hard and they try very hard, but they lived in a consistent, persistent cycle of survival. And when you live in a consistent, persistent cycle of survival, you have absolutely time for creativity, for vision, for dreaming. Yeah. You know, we were so poor, I could not afford a dream. Okay. So wow. I had to borrow somebody else's dreams. Okay. And, 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 and in order for me to be able to borrow somebody else's dream, I had to step out of my parents' reality and I had to create my own. Okay. And I did that by being able to look at other people that were being more successful and then become present. You know, when you step out of a state of survival and you enter your present, then you have a vision, then you have possibility, then you have dreams and you have goals. So I had to step out of that state. You know, I find it today and I'm, I, I hold on to this very dearly. There's five pillars that are the defining characters to who we become and how successful or unsuccessful we become. And those five pillars are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And we have to tend to those every single day. When we do that, we actually step out of a state of survival and we enter a state of flow. We operate in a state of creativity. We operate in a state of dreams and goals and vision. We operate with, we, we operate from a state of possibility instead of impossibility. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we have to tend those, you know, Today is very, is very common to ask somebody, uh, what are your daily rituals, okay? But the daily ritual should be something that, that we tend to on a sing and, and every single day. They have to be non-negotiables. And if we look at history from kings and queens and, 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 and many generations of, of our leaders throughout history, they all had rituals. And there was right. prayer, meditation, journaling, writing, the cleansing of the mind, a healthy diet, exercising, educating yourself, preparing yourself, okay? Because what those what those rituals do for you, they create an incredible amount of endorphins, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, okay? And, mm -hmm. and, and when you are able to operate from the natural high, you don't need scapism, okay? You don't need to escape into your poverty. You don't need to worry about the past or the future. You live in your present reality and you have a clear vision. What is it for you that that works the best? Because you probably do a number of these things. I, I know that in um, and, you know Hal Elrod's book, right, where he talks about the savers and where you're scribing, you're visualizing, you're affirm, you know, affirming. Is there one practice for you that is the ultimate one that has the biggest impact on your life each and every day? Well, I go back to the five pillars, Sergio, and that's an incredible question because uh, you can't tend to a certain part of your life, you have to tend to all of all them. of them, right. right? Okay, physical exercise, eating and sleeping. Okay, mental. How do I take care of my mental health? Relationships. Okay, am I in conflict with people? Am I creating boundaries? Okay, uh, emotional. Same thing. Relationships. Okay, how am I guarding my feelings? How am I? You know what? Relate. We become the total sum of the five people that we surround ourselves with. Sure. And that's not just in person. That's not just family. That means social media. That means the content we consume, the books that we mm -hmm. read, you know, the, 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 the time that we spend scrolling, whether it's clubhouse or Instagram or Facebook, is it healthy? Is it serving me? Is it, is, right. is, is it bringing me, is it bringing me joy? Is it bringing me possibility? Okay. And then spiritual, that's meditation. That's, that's going out and, 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 and going for my morning walk. That's actually me sitting in the morning and, 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 and meditating and prepare myself mentally to be able to have a clear conversation with my friend Sergio. Okay. That, that, because if I made a commitment and, and we make a commitment every night before we go to bed that we're going to wake up next morning, right? Nobody says, right. I'm not going to wake up next morning. <laughs> so if we make that commitment, we need to be prepared to embrace a day. Okay. So then, I, I, I do the spiritual by, by, by being able to meditate, by being able, by being able to, 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 to go for my walk, to have clarity. And then I do the, uh, I do the, the, the exercise. Okay. Uh, you know, working out in the morning, eating well, taking care of myself and then the financial. And that is a key point that most people don't talk about primarily in the Latino community. We are taught to work hard, but we're not taught to, we are not taught to save money. We are not to prepare for retirement. We are not, mm -hmm. we are not taught to how to balance a checkbook. We are not taught the importance of credit. Okay. So how can you be balanced 
okay? If you take a car, a car has four wheels and an engine, okay? We do too. The engine is a brain. The four wheels are heart, soul, body, and spirit, okay? We got to take care of all of them. If any of those are broken, then you're hopping, okay? So you got to make sure that you are balanced on a constant basis. So to answer your question, I work on them every day. Okay, and what I'm doing on a single and on an everyday basis, I am building compound interest into my well-being. Okay, and when I have enough reserves, when my savings account is to the max, okay, I can operate from a state of flow. I can have incredible conversations. I can be creative. I can look at business opportunities. I can have healthy relationships. I can have healthy conversations. I can monitor and be able to censor what I take in and take out. So I tend to all of them on a daily basis. That's a non-negotiable, and it has been for the tw past 12 years, and that has completely, completely changed my life. I love that because it, you're, you're being very intentional and in control of how you act, how you behave, what you think about, all the variables around you that you can control, and which are, which are a lot of them, and they have a huge impact on your life. So I absolutely love that. So then you, got, you get into real estate right? And real estate investing and land development as you get uh, uh, further into your career. How did you get into that and, and why real estate? Uh, and you, know, you know, I uh, there was a lady uh, that in our neighborhood uh, and she lived a couple of houses from us. And my sister had pointed out to me one day, she says, you know, Mrs. Masuka, uh, she sells real estate and she's on real well. And of course, you know, we were you know, we were a poor family. Okay. So Ms. Masuka was driving a brand new car. You know, my father had never owned a brand new car. He only bought a car when he got his income tax refund and he went and bought a new clunker once a year. Okay. That was, I mean, and that was styling back then. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, Ms. Masuka had the nice home. She had the nice cars. And my sister mentioned to me, my sister Chantel, she says, you know, Ms. Masuka has been in real estate. She said really well. And again, I didn't know anything about mentor, but Ms. Masuka became my pseudo mentor. I saw what she was doing. I saw what she was working. And coincidentally, one of my best friends from, from high school also entered real estate around the same time as Ms. Masuka. And I started seeing what he was doing. So I got very interested in real estate. I went, I looked for a sponsor. I got my real estate license. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, when I got my real estate license, it was the worst economy, okay? but I didn't know any better. And you know, sometimes ignorance is a bliss, okay? And if you ignore everything else and you listen to your passion and to your vision, you can succeed, okay? What I realized was that, yeah, the real estate economy was completely suffering, okay? Interest rates were 17, 18%. Unbelievable. But guess, but guess what? The Latino market was on tap. There was a niche in the marketplace and, and, and there was a lot of federal governments available that for the Latino community, for the first time home buyers, for, for, for certain demographics, there was a lot of programs available at a very affordable rate. And I became, I became a sponge. I learned everything about every single program available in the market. And I created a niche market. I went and I, I opened up an office right in the middle of the Hispanic community. I advertised, I had a radio show, I had a television show. I had billboards, bench ads, newspaper ads, and I just started promoting. I was completely, completely, completely ignorant to what I was doing. Well, the first year, 
we sold 366 houses. Yeah, one over the, the, the number. We were selling a house per day. And, wow. And from in that, there, in that market, in, in that first market, year, you yes. sold over a house yes. a day. for Yes, over a house a year, a, a day. And we went from being, from having 12 agents within a two-year period, having 150 real estate agents, uh, gross sales over $50 million a year, selling over 1,000 houses per year for consecutive wow. years and becoming one of the fastest growing um, real estate company, development company, construction company, lending company, and rehab company. So we became a force within our community. And again, I identify a need. I identify a need in the marketplace, which is housing within a certain community. I identify a problem that that community had, and the, and the problem that community had was the lack of knowledge and information and access to getting mortgage loans, okay? Mm -hmm. And I learned how to package that together and marry it with, with a product, the housing industry, and then I knew that in order for me to maximize my profits, I was not going to make any money selling houses, selling $30,000 homes at 6% commission. I was never going to get rich. So what did I needed to do? I needed to own those houses. I needed to be the developer. I needed to be the builder. I needed to be the lender. I needed to be oh, everything. Interesting. And, and, and we brought everything in house and, and we grew. We grew incredibly, but more importantly, more importantly, we created a service for a community that needed it, okay? We housed the most amount of Latinos uh, in, 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 in the country. And in history, for the very first time, documented in Washington, D.C., okay, under the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the very first time the most Latinos were housed in, in South Texas. And, and, and that was credited to, to me and to my company. Uh, uh, but it, it, it was an incredible opportunity, and we became very, very successful. What an amazing achievement. And the fact that you, you know, you impacted so many lives in doing that, in, in giving them, you know, the dream that they probably didn't think was possible. But by I, I, absolutely. You know what I what I realized was that that it, it was an impossibility. It was an impossibility at the time. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, you, you know, we were doing we were doing um we were doing marketing and 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 things that that I see today being done in social media, right? And we were doing it right there, you know, the 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 the, the hooks and, and and the bait and 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 the thing to be able to catch at, at attention, you know, pattern mm -hmm. uh, interruptions in the ads, you know, I would do television ads and and, and radio ads with mariachis in the background to catch people's <laughs> attention. attention. Okay. To create the hook, you know, to bring people to listen to our. Uh, but the most important thing that we did, we identify a need and we provided a service. And the secret to success is, and we've seen it time and time and time after. If you identify a need and you provide a service, there's going to be success. And you did this though without having a lot of money in your in your own pocket did you bring in investors and sell them on the idea of the solution absolutely absolutely <laughs> so, you know i go back to being resourceful right yeah uh, and i go back to money's not always a solution to success you know every you know we do a pitch room in clubhouse and i'm part of the, i'm part of the panel and a lot of times people come ask for money and they really don't need money 
they need guidance, okay? They need to be resourceful. They need to be more creative. They need to redraw their plan. But what, re but what I realized that th there's a pattern that happens in every community, okay? And there's transitions. And, and the reality is that, that, that your wealthiest demographics, they always keep moving away uh, when, when, when neighborhoods begin to deteriorate, when they get older. Okay. That's the American culture. You know, something's over 20 years old, we discard it, we get rid of it. Okay. So, uh, I saw a pattern in, in, in that particular community. And the pattern was this, that there was a large number of inventory homes in Caucasians communities that were not being sold. Okay. And there were homes that were ranging between 25 to 50 years old. Okay. And there were already in the second or third generation. Okay. There were vacant, they were sitting there and they had multiple days on the market and there was a lot of inventory, but there was not buyers for any of those homes. And there was one particular reason your lower demographic was moving into the area. Okay. And there was no one catering to that demographic. One problem we identify. Secondly, the majority of, 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 of the agents in that community serving that uh, uh, they had those listings in that community were Caucasian. So they could not identify with the culture needs of the demographic that was moving into the area. Okay. Yeah, they couldn't relate to them. They couldn't relate to them. Thirdly, thirdly, uh, the marketing plan that they had for these homes was cash. Okay. Well, very few people in that demographic had cash. Okay. And there was no people, there was no, no one in a, in a, in a demographic um, that would want to come in and buy houses in a neighborhood where there was no demand because the demand had not been created because the system of finances had not been created. So what I did, I identified the inventory, anything that had been on the market over six months, I approached the owners through the realtors and I made an agreement with them that I would take over the property that would come in there, give me six months. I would pay you within six months. Give me the rights to repair, to fix it. You're not going to lose anything. If I don't repair it, if, if I don't sell it within six months, the repairs that I made to that property, um, you don't owe me anything. I release the property. The property is yours. Okay. So uh, what I went and did my, so that, that's very risky, right? I mean, it, on the surface, it seems that way to people, you know, if I'm the owner, they say, sure, go ahead. And you know, I win yeah. either way Yeah. for you. It seems like you're assuming all the risk. So you were I, I, was, I was assuming, I was assuming all the risks. Okay. Yeah. And the reality is that I didn't know any better. I just knew, <laughs> okay. I just knew that I was being resourceful. I knew that I had a dream and a passion and there was a need in the marketplace and I yeah. knew that it would work. I knew how it was going to work. See, a lot of times we spend our time and energy questioning why something's going to work instead of trusting in the energy of the universe to make things happen for us because they're already predestined for them to happen to us. But we want to question power of the universe by inputting our ideas that sometimes have zero value. Sometimes you just need to let that third, third eye guide you. Yeah. And a lot of times we miss out opportunities because we question ourselves. We don't make decisions. We don't make choices. So you know what? Yeah, I was taking a lot of risk, but the owner was taking more risk on me. Okay. I was just a poor Mexican kid that grew up, you know, in a 900 square feet, two bedroom home. <laughs> right. They had this asset that I needed in order to make some money. Well, guess what happened? I had I had enough 
sellers that were willing to trust me to allow me to take over that property and I had enough buyers that were willing to buy those properties. And I did a simultaneous closing, the seller got paid, the buyer got the house and I made an average of 15 to $20,000 profit per house. Okay. You do enough deals in one year and that catapults you into becoming a very wealthy person. You know, fear holds a lot of people back from Absolutely. taking these types of, of, of risks, especially when they expose you financially, your reputation, things like that. But at times, like you said, if you have a gut feeling, you know, say yes and then figure it out later. Because the reality is that I was right. I came from a very poor background. What did I have to lose? What do you have to lose exactly? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So we're on with Peter Estevez, you know, fantastic entrepreneur, philanthropist, host of the Coming Clean podcast, and his story is just absolutely stellar. And so, uh, Peter, let's talk a little bit about the the Latino community. Some of the ideas you have around mentorship, guidance, inspiration, motivation. Uh, and in, in that space, what, what are some of your ideas that you think are in need? Cause you know, this is a, this is a space where you're seeing a need there, uh, wide open, just like you did at the time with, with the real estate community there. So tell me a bit more about that. I absolutely said, you, you know, um, I got very involved. Well, my first introduction to personal development was when I was in the real estate business and my partner then at the time, Francis P. Moran took us to an event. It was a Tony Robbins event, and we took the entire office to that event, 30-something plus agents we took to the event. And that was my first eye-opening to personal development. But after that, I kind of ignored it. I kind of let it go because, you know, I my ego got, got elevated, inflated, and I felt I knew everything, right? What I didn't realize was that I had stopped growing. You know, I got, you know, I became... Um, uh, I became complacent with my success. Okay. And, and a lot of my unresolved issues, okay. As a young boy came to surface, you know, I had not mm. that, that young six year old, uh, you know, uh, immigrant, uh, had a lot of issues they had not addressed and there were, and, and I would bring those into the boardroom. I would bring those into the partnerships. I would bring that little boy into the marriages. Sure. I would bring that into the friendships and it was sabotaging everything. Wow. And, uh, and, and in 2008, um, you know, here we, we were facing one of the worst economic crises that the world had ever seen, but certainly in the United States. And I would, I found myself yet again, broken, broken. Okay. And short before that, my mom had passed away. Three months after my mom passed away, my wife asked me for a divorce. And six months after that, my father passed away. Oh so I, I had a tremendous number of losses within a very short period. And, and the reality was, was that I was facing a lot, of, a lot of my being, a lot of who I was. I was questioning my existence in the world. I was questioning who I was and... and and, you know, I found myself also being a father, a single, uh, uh, a single father to a six-year-old boy. And, and one day my son told me that he was very unhappy and that he wanted to end his life. Imagine oh hearing that a six-year-old boy. Uh, he had gone from being a very happy kid, you know, yeah. when he saw his parents together, um, growing in a liver-to-biver neighborhood, you know, the white picket fence, the fancy cars, a blonde wife, everything that, that, you think success can bring to you, right? And from within a matter of days, everything was pulled off of the rug was pulled from under him. And you know, he went on to gaining over 50 pounds within about a six, seven month period. 
um, doing nothing but spending time in his room, gaming and, and eating. And, and, uh, and, you know, I was, I was engrossed or involved in my own, in my own self pity. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, I was, I, I was facing my own demons. You know, I was worried about the divorce. I was worried about my parents' death. I was questioning who I was, uh, and, 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 and a lot of things. But when my son called me, I, I was out in a meeting. I've been sober 22 years from, I've been in recovery for 22 years from, from alcoholism. And I was in, in, in a, uh, 12 step meeting when my son called me and he tells me he wants to end his life and I drive home. And I keep on the phone talking to him. As I'm driving home and I get home and I see my young, my young boy, what I realized was that I was inflicting the same pain that my parents had inflicted at me. I was just doing it in a different way. I was being selfish and I was being self-centered. I, I had not taken the time to take him into consideration, take his feelings, his emotion. My responsibility as a father to bring him into the world and to assure his well-being, to assure that he got the proper love and attention, the proper education, to prepare him for success, to prepare him to, to become a productive member of society. And I was not doing that. I was too worried about myself. I was too worried about my demons. Um, and I Google, how do I become a better person? And the first thing that popped up was, was Mind Valley. Mind Valley is a, is a personal yeah. platform by Bishan and, and, and uh, Christina Lechiani. Uh, and they popped up and they had a subscription program and I started taking personal development courses, you know, online. I started, you know, from Michael Beckwith to Lisa Nichols to Bishan Lechiani to Jim Quick to a lot of those incredible human beings um, that are thought leaders in, in, in the personal development space. And, and, and I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with, 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 with the power of personal development. I also mm -hmm. learned and was first introduced to emotional intelligence, you know, something I had never dealt with. And, and realizing that I had not caught up with my emotional intelligence, that I had become almost robotic to my feelings and my emotions, that I had not tended to any of my childhood issues, that I, that I kept bringing, that I was a broken little boy in a men's body and I had not addressed that. I needed to go back and repair all those things. So I dove deep into that and that's where I created those five pillars, the emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, and, and, um, and uh, uh, mental, okay? So, so when I started looking at those areas of my life, when I charted that out, is where am I in each one? I, it was basically doing a, a, a an inventory of my entire being, okay? Taking my life into a, uh, into a 3D, into a 3D, uh, three-dimensional, okay? And looking at myself from every aspect of my life and needing where I needed to correct, uh, uh, course correct. And I started working very deeply on that. Well, what I learned from that Sergio is that when I started attending live events before COVID and I, I, every event that I went to, I was one of the very few brown skinned persons in the crowd. And I have yet to see a brown skinned person on the stage. Okay. So what I have identified that out of the top 100 transformational leaders in the personal development space, there's not a single Latino that stands out. There's Jim Quick, there's Les Brown, there's Lisa wow. Nick, there's Lee County, there's Lewis House, there's Grant Cardone, there's Gary B, there's Dave Meltzer, there's Dave Hollers, mm -hmm. and I 
go on and on because I know most of them. In fact, yeah. I have interviewed most of them. I have yeah. for most of them. Many of them are my personal friends. Okay. And what I realized that there was not a single one. So here we go back to my housing issue or when I enter real estate. We have the same problem. There's a problem in my community. We are the fastest growing community in, in the United States, yet we are not advancing. Okay. We are not growing. We are not educating. We are not changing. And what is holding us back is a lot of the same uh, social conditioning that we adopted from multiple generations behind us. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are operating with the same framework that we have since our original ancestors, okay? You can't take the computer from 1980 and get it to operate uh, at the speed of information that they do today. How can we do that to ourselves? We have to constantly be dismantling, downloading and uploading new information, okay? Yeah. Along with the emotional intelligence to help us operate as beings, okay? To be able to have and gain that clarity that we need to be successful, to be present, to have a vision, to have a plan, okay? And to have a dream and a goal. So what I realized that there's a tremendous need in my community and I am committed to empower, to first of all, to identify, ed educate and empower leaders in my community to then go back and impact, okay? And, 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 and empower 100 million people by December 31st, 2028. And that is by identifying people like that look like you and me, okay? There's no coincidence why there's only a few of us when we go to these events, even though we know that the systems in personal development space work, okay? You and I are byproduct. We're having this conversation because we are a byproduct of personal development, okay? through osmosis and through education, right? Sure. But the reality is that today we know that the, the education system overall is broken. It's not, it's not work and it's not, and it's singular, you know, singular. It's not, you know, it's not as specific to, to, to each individual. And we realize that each individual has different learning abilities, different learning patterns, different strengths in different areas, whether they're artistic, entrepreneurial, or whatever you want to call it. Okay. The Caucasian community has done an incredible job in identifying that and creating leaders and entrepreneurs that become and develop and become leaders in their communities. The black community has done that, but the brown community has not, has yet to do it. And I am committed to doing it. I am committed just like I was committed to providing housing uh, to, to, to my community many, many years ago. I am committed today to identifying, educating, and empowering leaders to come back to our communities and to rise up the community. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely love that. And, and we need to hear that message and people do need to take responsibility for their own dreams and education and, and taking charge. Like you said, being very intentional about your life and your finances and your, and your emotional state, taking charge of that. And then we can rise, right? Cause then you have more clarity for your goals. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what happens, Sergio, we cannot do that because we don't have the leaders in our communities. Unfortunately, even our own parents, a lot of times are not the leaders that we should look up to. And I don't mean that. I mean that with a lot of love and respect, but sure. my parents had a third grade education and a sixth grade education. Okay. Imagine my parents living in today's world. They're obsolete. Okay. They're mm -hmm. obsolete when it comes to, to be able to educate even their grandchildren. They can't help them with homework. 
Okay. So the reality is that personal development puts each and every single one of us in a playing field because we can learn what we want. And if one, and if one coach or mentor can't help us, we can find another one. Okay. And there's different techniques, but the bottom line is that in order for us to become functional members of society, productive, creative, artistic, visionaries, we have to dismantle ourselves and we have to tend those five pillars. Again, I go back to the five pillars because they're so important. When you tend to your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and financial, you are complete and you operate from a state of flow. And the, you don't find that at the university, at Harvard University. No. You find that at UCLA. You don't find that at, the, at, at Florida State University. You only find that in the personal development space. That is why I'm so passionate about about it and that is why it, it's changed my life it has become you know i was very creative and very resourceful but i was not very aware okay and i was not and 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 and, and what i did in in into the years of, of my many successes i will build, build it up and destroy it because i didn't have the emotional intelligence to know the difference between right and wrong, my worth my value my essence, my being. Today, I know that. Peter, you're fantastic, my brother. Hey, you're doing amazing things. You're an inspiration to so many. I'm on board. Whatever you need, I'm 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 your voice here in Miami. And whenever you come down, brother, we're, let's get together. This is, this is impactful stuff. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, it was excellent. And uh, where can people reach out to you on on Instagram? Is that the best place? I, I, Absolutely. I, I'm everywhere. I'm on Instagram at Peter O. Esteves. I'm on uh, Clubhouse at Peter O. Esteves. I'm on, on Twitter at Peter O. Esteves. And of course, I, I'm the host of, of the, the, uh, the uh, uh, Coming Coming Clean, right? podcast, yeah, which is one of the top rated podcasts in the country. And we have had incredible thought leaders uh, from across the world. Uh, and and, and it's, it's my passion to give back, to be able to, 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 bring back to my community incredible top leaders uh, that, that they can help us move the needle forward. Love it, buddy. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a good one. Sergio, thank you so much. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable, so I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives. Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. My name is Sergio Tijera. I come to you from Miami, Florida, and we do this each and every week. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever platform you choose to listen to your favorite shows on. You can catch us here each and every week. And as we said, we have Game Changers, and today's no exception. So my guest today is Peter Estevez. He was born in Mexico City, Mexico. He's an entrepreneur, philanthropist, and host of the Coming Clean podcast. And he's had an entrepreneurial spirit since, since a very young age. At 10, 10 years old, he came over to the U.S. 
and has gone on to become a very successful real estate investor, land developer uh, in the greater Houston and South Texas areas, as well as a partner in several uh, companies that are in the energy sector. However, what attracted me to Peter is that he's been uh, instrumental in, in creating a, uh, a, an Instagram page, for example, a culture, a mentorship for Latinos to succeed. This um, is what motivates others, especially Latinos, to become the best version of themselves. And he's here with us to, to, to give us some more inspiration about what he's doing in not only in the business world, but in motivating and inspiring others to be the best version of themselves. So welcome, Peter. Sergio, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for inviting me to your to be a guest on your show. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, so Peter, tell me a little bit about, about your background. So you're born in Mexico City. Um, tell, tell me what home was life like for you out there uh, growing up before you came over and why is it that you came over? Well, you know, my father was born in Houston, Texas, and my father was an orphan at the age of 13. And his family, his, his immediate family was from Guanajuato. Uh, Valle de Santiago, Guanajuato, which is a small town in central Mexico. And as, as, as a young man at the age of 13, after he became an orphan, his uh, family took him back to Guanajuato. And he met my mother when he was 17, 18 years old. Mom was 15, you know, a traditional Hispanic family. They got married very, very young. Very young. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, within a period of several years, they had 13 children. Uh, 13 children? 13 children. I oh am one I, I have two and that's enough. I'm good. <laughs> I have one and that's more than enough. <laughs> you know, 13 children. And, you know, my father, uh, my father had no formal education. He, 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 he had a sixth grade education. Mother had a third grade education or vice versa. Wow. One or the other, I can't remember. Uh, so you can imagine in a country like Mexico, which is still very much a third world country with 13 children is very, very hard to survive. So for a long time, what father did, uh, very entrepreneurial spirit, very hardworking. He would work in the States, send the money back to Mexico. And in Mexico, in a small town, we live relatively well. You know, uh, you know, we lived in a nice size home. You know, we we went to Catholic schools. We live relatively well. But the caveat to that is where we only got to see father around Christmas time, maybe once or twice a year, maximum. And oh, it became very, very difficult. It, it was very difficult for mother to raise 13 children on her own in, 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 in Mexico and not being able to have the support of her husband. So at some point when I was uh, nine, eight, nine, ten years old, my parents, uh, there was an opportunity to, to, to become naturalized citizens. And my father opted to apply for all of us to become, to, to become naturalized citizens. And we came to the States in 1972, okay? Uh, our life completely changed. It was completely, completely different. None of us knew how to speak English. Uh, my mom did not know how to speak English. And my father spoke very little English. He was a blue collar worker. Um, you know, entrepreneurial, and he did a lot of other odd jobs in order to create, to be able to sustain the family, but nothing really to speak of that would ever get him out of a cycle of poverty. Okay, we moved into we moved to a city uh, in South Texas called San Antonio near the border, San Antonio, Texas. Moved into a small frame two bedroom home. The girls slept slept in one bedroom. My mom and dad had their own bedroom. And the boys slipped in sleeping bags in the living room. 
you know, that was that was the way we live. It was a very, very dysfunctional cycle of poverty. Uh, and, I, and, and I knew very, very early on that that my parents were doing the best that they could. Uh, but I also realized that that was not the life that I wanted for myself. So, uh, you know, I think I think out of necessity in a lot of the Latino community, entrepreneurship is by default. You know, we Absolutely. learn. You know, we learn how to hustle. We learn how to create our own destiny. Because if not, we're going to stay. You know, we're going to continue to live in a state of poverty. So, you know, that was the beginning of my childhood. That was that was what brought us to Texas. Uh, and 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 I know my parents did uh, try very hard to make ends meet for us, but but I can tell you, it was a very very difficult life, Sergio. Yeah. You know, grit is one of the one of the the key skills and characteristics of of highly successful people, right? That staying power, that that hunger to to do whatever it takes to get to where you need to be in life. And if you don't have that, you're really falling behind because I mean, you're you're really not living up to your potential. And you find that quite a lot with with that Latino community, just like you said, out of necessity. We've seen that in in Miami as well, growing up here. But I think that's one of the traits that that if that can be, be passed on, that hard work, that dedication, persistence in the face of adversity, you got a winning combination there. I, absolutely. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier before the interview, and and although my parents, you know, they had a lot of uh, a lot of issues. You know, they're they were uneducated. Um, it was a very unhealthy environment. It was children raising children. You know, there was no emotional development. There was no formal education. There was never a driver or motivation for us to, you know, there, there, there was never a plan for us to example, right? Uh, an example, you know, there was no leader in our home. You know, my father was, was working to make ends meet. And then there was a lot of chaos and dysfunction in this two bedroom, 900 square feet home. Okay. Wow. Um, but the reality is that that environment, foster my entrepreneurial spirit without even me knowing very early on. I learned incredible survival skills. I learned to be resourceful and not to depend on resources. When you don't have anything, you know, a lot of people think that money is a solution. Okay. And the solution is not always money. A lot of times we need to become resourceful to, to be able to carve and create our path. And I learned very, very early on that I needed to hustle. Okay, uh, we call that entrepreneurship today. Uh, but I needed, I, I, I needed to create a destiny. You know, when you want a thirteen, okay, the one, the first one at the table eats better than the rest. Okay, the first one up gets yeah. a lot of water uh, to take a, to take a shower. You know, so so it was always about becoming a chameleon of a source, and that gave me incredible um adaptability skills to be able to survive to 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 adapt to change to pivot okay i did not i did not recognize any of this as a young boy right you know what i knew was what i knew was that i didn't want to repeat the cycle i didn't want i i, I wanted to create generational wealth i didn't want my children to be one of 13 that was mm -hmm. uneducated without opportunity Okay, and that was going to become another statistic. You know, my parents brought us to the states uh, in, in in the quest to find and in the pursuit of the American dream. Okay, now that's what they did. It was my responsibility to find that dream. Okay, so what I did very early on was to look at role models, and I still do it today. I still do mm -hmm. it. 
leaders that that I associate with, with the top leaders that I bring to my podcast, with the top leaders that I that I do business with, I look for people that are smarter than me, people that are accomplishing and doing things that I have not been able to accomplish, people that that I want to model after that I want to become like and I follow their path. I study them. I look at them. I listen to them. I learn from them. And I did that very, very early on. I started identifying people within my community that were smarter than me, more successful than me. And that was everybody at the time. That was everybody at the time. Uh, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I started I started looking for those opportunities, but that came out of necessity. So, you know, uh, I often say that, that we make our mess our message, but we also have to clean it up, Sergio. We cannot live in our story, okay? We got to step out of our story and become whole and complete. And that's part of the journey. That's part of the journey. I love that. I love that, that we have to step out of our story because it's so encapsulating. And because it's happened, it's so real in our mind. And it's and it's sometimes hard to imagine what are the other chapters? What could they be like? And the fact that you can rewrite those and 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 having mentors, having people that you look up to, whether you know them or not, and people that you can emulate who have succeeded is tremendously important in just opening up that imagination to say, okay, what is possible for me? And do I buy into that? You know, can you really believe and kind of wrap your head around that? Yeah, I can be a millionaire, a billionaire. I can't have the life that I want, even though my circumstances are so bad right now that it's hard to imagine that that step. It seems so far away. I, I, absolutely. You know, I learned very early on that my parents worked very hard and they tried very hard, but they lived in a consistent, persistent cycle of survival. And when you live in a consistent, persistent cycle of survival, you have absolutely time for creativity, for vision, for dreaming. Yeah. You know, we were so poor, I could not afford a dream. Okay. So wow. I had to borrow somebody else's dreams. Okay. And, 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 and in order for me to be able to borrow somebody else's dream, I had to step out of my parents' reality and I had to create my own. Okay. And I did that by being able to look at other people that were being more successful and then become present. You know, when you step out of a state of survival and you enter your present, then you have a vision, then you have possibility, then you have dreams and you have goals. So I had to step out of that state. You know, I find it today and I'm, I, I hold on to this very dearly. There's five pillars that are the defining characters to who we become and how successful or unsuccessful we become. And those five pillars are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we have to tend to those every single day. When we do that, we actually step out of a state of survival and we enter a state of flow. We operate in a state of creativity. We operate in a state of dreams and goals and vision. We operate, with, we, we operate from a state of possibility instead of impossibility. Okay, mm -hmm. but we have to tend those. You know, today is very is very common to ask somebody, uh, "What are your daily rituals?" Okay, but the daily ritual should be something that that we tend to on a sing and, and every single day. They have to be non negotiables. And if we look at history from kings and queens and 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 and, and many generations of of our leaders throughout history, they all had rituals, and there was right. prayer, meditation journaling, writing, the cleansing of the mind, a healthy diet, exercising, educating yourself, preparing yourself, 
Okay, because what those what those rituals do for you, they create an incredible amount of endorphins, oxytocin, uh, serotonin. Okay, and mm -hmm. and dopamine. And when you are able to operate from the natural high, you don't need scapism. Okay, you don't need to escape into your poverty. You don't need to worry about the past or the future. You live in your present reality, and you have a clear vision. What is it for you that that works the best? Because you probably do a number of these things. I, I know that in um, and, you know Hal Elrod's book, right, where he talks about the savers and where you're scribing, you're visualizing, you're affirm, you know, affirming. Is there one practice for you that is the ultimate one that has the biggest impact on your life each and every day? Well, I go back to the five pillars, Sergio, and that's an incredible question because uh, you can't tend to a certain part of your life, you have to tend to all of all them. of them, right. right? Okay, physical exercise, eating and sleeping. Okay, mental. How do I take care of my mental health? Relationships. Okay, am I in conflict with people? Am I creating boundaries? Okay, uh, emotional. Same thing. Relationships. Okay, how am I guarding my feelings? How am I? You know what? Relate. We become the total sum of the five people that we surround ourselves with. Sure. And that's not just in person. That's not just family. That means social media. That means the content we consume, the books that we mm -hmm. read, you know, the, 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 the time that we spend scrolling, whether it's clubhouse or Instagram or Facebook, is it healthy? Is it serving me? Is it, is, right. is, is it bringing me, is it bringing me joy? Is it bringing me possibility? Okay. And then spiritual, that's meditation. That's, that's going out and, 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 and going for my morning walk. That's actually me sitting in the morning and, 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 and meditating and preparing myself mentally to be able to have a clear conversation with my friend Sergio. Okay. That, that, because if I made a commitment and, and we make a commitment every night before we go to bed that we're going to wake up next morning, right? Nobody says, right. I'm going to wake up next morning. <laughs> so if we make that commitment, we need to be prepared to embrace a day. Okay. So then, I, I I do the spiritual by, by by being able to meditate, by being able by being able to 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 go for my walk to have clarity, and then I do the uh, I do the 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 exercise. Okay, uh, you know, working out in the morning, eating well, taking care of myself, and then the financial, and that is a key point that most people don't talk about, primarily in the Latino community. We are taught to work hard, but we're not taught. To we are not taught to save money. We are not to prepare for retirement. We are not. Mm -hmm. We are not taught to how to balance a checkbook. We are not taught the importance of credit. Okay. So how can you be balanced? Okay. If you take a car, a car has four wheels and an engine. Okay. We do too. The engine is a brain. The four wheels are heart, soul, body, and spirit. Okay. We okay. got to take care of all of them. If any of those are broken, then you're hopping. Okay, so you got to make sure that you are balanced on a constant basis. So to answer your question, I work on them every day. Okay, and what I'm doing on a single on an everyday basis, I am building compound interest into my well-being. Okay, and when I have enough reserves, when my savings account is to the max, okay, I can operate from a state of flow. I can have incredible conversations. I can be creative. I can look at business opportunities. I can have healthy relationships. I can have healthy conversations. I can monitor and be able to censor what I take in and take out. 
So I tend to all of them on a daily basis. That's a non-negotiable. And it has been for the tw past 12 years. And that has completely, completely changed my life. I love that because it, you're, you're being very intentional and in control of how you act, how you behave, what you think about all the variables around you that you can control and which are, which are a lot of them and they have a huge impact on your life. So absolutely love that. So then you got, you get into real estate, right? And real estate investing and land development as you get uh, uh, further into your career. How did you get into that and, and why real estate? Uh, you know, you know, I uh, there was a lady uh, that in our neighborhood, uh, and she lived a couple of houses from us. And my sister had pointed out to me one day. She says, "You know, 